This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. Could blind and partially sighted people soon be able to use driverless cars independently? Regulators of vehicle safety in the US are certainly considering the possibility. In a letter to Alphabet, the parent company of Google, they've said the artificial intelligence system that pilots a self-driving Google car could be considered the driver under federal law a major step towards ultimately winning approval for fully autonomous vehicles on the roads. Having the computer act as the driver has many implications, and one of those is the potential reality that a blind person could own their own car and travel independently with it. To talk about this is longtime advocate of driverless cars for the blind, Jonathan Mosen. Jonathan is blind himself. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Stephen. Nice to talk to you again. This is quite a developing story, and uh, I wanted to get you on because this is something you've been talking about uh, on Twitter. It's something you've been uh, talking about to your followers, and uh, I just wanted to get your reaction to this news that potentially uh, these fully autonomous vehicles, cars that can drive themselves completely with no controls, it seems, uh, that Google are offering, um, could in fact become a reality in the States. Yes, you know, by way of background, I've been blind since birth. And throughout my life, I've had these dreams periodically that my older brother, who was also blind, would get into a car and drive off with me in the car. And I'd suddenly realize, my goodness, there's a blind guy in the seat. You know, it would kind of make me uh, make me start. So the idea that there might be a way in the near future for blind people to be in charge of their own transportation is very significant. It's kind of the final frontier, I think. And we all know how frustrating transportation can be. But it looked like it was going to be a long road for a while because in California, they said, look, we're happy to start licensing and thinking about how these self-driving cars will integrate into the existing system, but we need a human who's competent to drive behind the wheel. And now there is some suggestion that regulators may say, okay, the computer counts as the driver. Uh, If that's the case, then obviously it opens up all sorts of possibilities and also lots of questions, I think, because there are many decisions that a human driver has to make, sometimes quite tricky decisions when it's a life or death situation that a computer algorithm is going to be specifically programmed to have to make. And so I think that actually raises some very interesting moral and ethical questions. I think when it comes to the idea of, you know, a blind guy uh, like yourself, like me, can get in a car and just go somewhere uh, without the need to, you know, look for someone else or call a taxi or wait for a bus or get on a train, any of those things, it all sounds fabulous. Are you wary about this technology, though? Mm Well. The idea that I might be able to go into a vehicle that's not being driven by a human is, I guess, at my age, a little unsettling. But no, I I like to embrace technology and and embrace change. But you think, for example, of, of what might happen if you're in a situation in a driverless car where you have a choice or where the car has a choice either to run in to a couple of school children going to school in the morning, walking to school in the morning and they're excited and they inadvertently cross the road without looking properly and the car has to decide it can run into those kids or it can swerve and it can go over a bank and kill you, the occupant of the car. What does the computer do? I mean, the computer knows that it has some very specific choices to make and it can calculate the 
it can calculate the possibilities at uh, various you know, millions of times per second, but it is going to have to make a call. And somebody is going to be in a room somewhere having programmed the software making that call. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? It's trying to understand the technology. And I think for all of us, we would need to see this in action. I mean, as much as I want one, and I have been banging on about this for a long time, <laughs> uh, I would love one of these cars. Even I would be saying, right, okay, but explain to me again, how does it work? <laughs> because yeah. you have to know, we have to understand. I mean, we're not going to, pardon the pun, blindly just buy one. Um you know, and just go out, you know, head off onto a motorway at 70 miles an hour, head on into who knows what. We have to yeah. trust the technology, and that's something that will come in time. I think it's the fact, yeah. though, that this potential ruling, and it's not a ruling yet, but it's something that the US government are certainly saying they will consider. I think it's, it's so early on in this technology, it's not even out yet, it's not even available. Yet, you know, we're already at a point where the US government are saying, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we can we can go down this road. I guess that opens up that possibility that we just never thought might have, have been available to us. Well, I would love to be in a vehicle that I was in some sort of control over in my lifetime. I think that would be hugely significant and wonderful. We know also, though, that roads do change, and we know that sometimes GPS technology gets it wrong in terms of the routes that it should take. And even people who are fully sighted follow instructions that their GPS is giving them, again, to use that term blindly, and get themselves in all sorts of messes. So there are some interesting things to overcome, but that doesn't mean that they can't be overcome. And there are also environmental benefits of this. When you think about it, the average person who gets in a car in the morning and drives to work, they leave that car parked somewhere for maybe eight or more hours before they get in that same vehicle and go home. So I think maybe in a, in, in a few decades time, we may be in a situation where cars are not owned anymore. They're a public utility and that you will be able to summon a car via a smartphone app or whatever we're using in a few decades time that's replaced the smartphone and the nearest car that's just idle turns up. You get in the vehicle, you go somewhere and then the vehicle disappears so that it can serve another passenger. So we may be looking at a very big societal shift in terms of the way that we think about transportation and vehicles. You mentioned control, and that's an interesting point. The National Federation of the Blind, I don't know if you're aware of this uh, story, uh, I'm sure you are, Jonathan, but the, the story where they were very keen to create a car that could be controlled by a blind person. So the idea of getting into the car and just sitting there and it takes you somewhere is is one thing. But what the NFB were suggesting was that actually, no, as blind people, we still want to have that physical control of the wheel. So we would actually drive the car. Uh, and the technology did allow people in the testing phase, at least, to do that. Um, do you like that idea? I think it's an interesting concept to to toy with to see if it's possible. And Mark Riccobono, who's now the president of NFB, was then the director of their Jernigan Institute. And he got into a vehicle and cruised around the Daytona Speedway. And he actually did this. And he was able to navigate the Speedway course successfully because he had a whole bunch of sensors strapped to him that was giving him data. So he, not the car, was making all of the decisions about obstacle avoidance, when to turn, all of those things. And I think it's a 
it's a cool thing to have done. And I don't know whether the NFB ever really considered it as something that they would want to see mass produced. But I think what they wanted to try and establish was that blindness doesn't have to stop you from doing anything, really. You can do whatever you want with alternative methods of getting the same information. Yes, and, and that is really what the NFB's message is always, always all yeah. about, isn't it? Uh, it yeah. is, you know, being completely independent. I think what's interesting about this news that we're seeing, and it is becoming big, big news around the world, and that was why I was really keen to get you on this morning, Jonathan, was because, you know, it, it's such an interesting story for blind and partially sighted people. I mean, this is a story for, <laughs> let's be honest about it, the guy who goes home drunk on a Friday night who doesn't want to drink drive. Um, yeah. You know, that, that, and that's kind of where the conversation is leading, let's be honest, in the mainstream media. Um, but there is this side of it which says, well, if you are blind, you could um, get into your autonomous vehicle and, and head off home. Do you think it's interesting, though, that Google, I mean, Google are, are really the guys behind this. Um, what do you think about the fact that they brought out an advert very early on in this project's development with the blind guy getting into the car and it taking him to the shops and then home again? Do you think that says... I think, yeah. Well, a lot of people involved in developing this sort of technology like to think that it can change lives. Mm. And I think Google have stumbled on a use case that says this thing could really revolutionize the way an often forgotten minority in society function. I mean, when you think of the choices that we have to make, often negative choices because the transportation options aren't available, the idea that we can have greater control over those options is exciting. And I guess as somebody with a technological background in product management who's designed products, it's natural for me to go through and think about, wow, there are some really exciting technological challenges here. But at the same time, the social advocate in me thinks, wow, you know, we if we can resolve these issues, and there are some of the cleverest minds in the world on these cases, then we're on the cusp of some really exciting social change that could open up a, a lot more employment prospects, social integration prospects. I think many of us have paid more for housing, whether it's renting a flat somewhere or buying a house somewhere, because we know that the only way we can really function is to be close to public transport. And when you're close to public transport, the house has a premium attached because it's seen as, a, as an attractive convenience. For us, it's not a convenience, it's a necessity. So if we can get through some of these issues and have a vehicle over which we have some control, even if it's programmatically, then, you know, bring it on. Let's let's think about these issues carefully, um, sort them through as a society, and, and just bring it on. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so would you buy one if it was out tomorrow? Yes, I would. But, I well, I, I think so. I'm an early adopter, so my instinctual answer is yes, but I'd have to be absolutely sure that I'm not putting myself, my family, you know, if I put my kids in that car and took them somewhere, mm. uh, and other people in danger. So there's a, there's a conversation to be had about this, and um, we should be part of the conversation. So we should embrace the possibilities, but also be realistic about the fact that we've got some challenges ahead. And one final one for you, Jonathan, and it was something I was thinking about uh, on the way in today. Um, don't you think this has Apple written all over it in some respect? Yeah, I think Apple will be in on it. I believe they are actually in on it. They're doing some stuff in the lab. Apple tend to take quite a cautious approach. Uh, with the exception of certain products like the iPhone, they don't really care whether they're first to market. They perceive 
their role is to be the best in the market and they don't mind if there are other manufacturers who explore the field first. But yeah, I think Google's looking for a niche. And I mean, you can imagine if they pull this off and they are known as the company that delivered a complete, and it's an overused term, but this is a complete paradigm shift. You know, the way that we use vehicles, it's huge. It's a major societal change. And everybody involved in a project like this knows that. And I guess they want their place in history. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, good to speak to you as always. Uh, we will watch with interest, uh, a lot of interest, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Jonathan Rosen sure in New Zealand, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.